ever wondered what goes into the food you eat? I grew up on a wheat farm with sheep and cows and I now live on 130 acres outside of Byron Bay and we have 60 cows here. We don't eat takeaway and we are actively trying to reduce our meat consumption. Dan Rigler is also someone who ponders a lot about what food is made of. Previously based in the US and pursuing a career in finance, Dan's passion for food sent him into a very different world. I came to this through a deep passion for food and knowing where my food comes from. I grew up between Europe and the US, so sort of a mix between two food cultures, erring more towards the European side, but really wanting to, to understand what was going into what I was eating. When Dan moved to Asia in 2010, he found himself working on a number of projects concerning agriculture with his former employer. That's when I started connecting the dots between the impact of where my food was coming from and the systemic issues with you know, how we produce and consume most food and then the environmental impacts of that. Dan didn't know it yet, but that experience led him to start a business in 2018 called Karana, a company that produces a whole new category of meat made from jackfruits. Welcome to Good Business, a launchpad podcast that goes behind the scenes of the leaders of good businesses who have people, planet and profit at the core of their mission. I'm Chris Edwards, founder of The Honeycombers and Launchpad, and this is the story of Karana and how its co-founders, Dan Reigler and Blair Crichton, are turning jackfruit into a super crop and revolutionising the meat industry. So you're probably thinking, why jackfruit? Well, when Dan started Karana in 2018, he had a singular goal in mind, impacting change around the issues in food and the agricultural system. And it just so happens that jackfruit ticked all of the boxes as a perfect solution. So when we were sort of looking around for which crops to focus on, in terms of crops that were very scalable, very farmer friendly, had a very positive regenerative impact in terms of soil, biodiversity, tapping into wasted or underutilized resources, uh, also told an interesting story nutritionally, but that we could actually turn into something quite interesting from a product standpoint and, and add value around. Everything kept coming back to jackfruit, which ticked all those boxes. Here's Dan's co-founder, Blair, who joined Dan on the Karana journey a few months into its founding, with more to add. You know, you can tick all those sustainability boxes and everything, but you also have to have a product that consumers want. And as we kind of went down that, we started thinking about, well, really, what is it that consumers are looking for? And what we see is that, you know, consumers were wanting things with shorter ingredient lists that were more transparent, and one of the primary drivers for adopting a more plant-forward diet is health. And so we saw jackfruit is also ticking all those boxes because it's got this naturally meat-like texture that we have kind of enhanced through some of the processing techniques we use. We can offer them a product that's whole plant-forward, so you're getting the benefits of a whole food diet, has a shorter and cleaner ingredient list and is very transparent. It tastes amazing and then has all these sustainability benefits. And I think Blair touched on a really good point, which is that transparency. Because if you look around, you know, we talk a lot about 
what do people want everything right? You know, things have to be delicious. They have to be accessible and affordable and they have to be healthy. You know, nutrition is a huge driver, but these are all quite subjective across different markets and, and consumer segments. But I think the universal truth in food is transparency. You know, everyone wants to know what they're eating and where it's coming from, you know, what you're putting into your body or feeding your family and connecting people with where their food is coming from again. That's really what was the origin behind a lot of this, making better use of an ingredient that people are proud, chefs are proud to put on menus, to highlight and call out and tell a story around and, and know what the positive impact of that is environmentally and nutritionally. In terms of its ability to address the systemic issues with the food and agriculture system that we talked about before, well, I'll let Dan and Blair explain this one. Jackfruit, it exists in high volumes all over South and Southeast Asia, but it's not the cash crop. So it's grown largely as a shade crop. And so that's why, like Dan was saying, it's there, but, you know, there's no offtake. It's because, you know, actually upwards of 60%, it's been estimated, goes to waste in the markets where it's grown because it's providing shade for your cash crops, like your spice in your tea and things like that. Yeah, vanilla, turmeric. So literally, when you say shade, it literally is there just to produce the environment for other crops that are, yeah, that's so interesting. And that's really what was inspiring us for a lot of this because, you know, looking at the more traditional indigenous agriculture systems, we talk a lot today about regenerative farming as becoming quite buzzy and we're seeing the need to, you know, move back from this very consolidated industrialized agriculture system that we've been building for, for the past decades, which is leading to a lot of concern and problems around food security, around the limited number of crops we've been eating. And in a lot of South and Southeast Asia, there's been a main, maintaining of this, you know, traditional approach to small-scale agroforestry. It's really forest farms where they both make use of what is already available and then plant the crops that make sense, you know, to exist naturally in that ecosystem. And in Sri Lanka, especially, you have this incredible, you know, vast network of very small-scale forest garden farms where. A lot of it is built around the jackfruit that exists. It's actually illegal to cut a jackfruit tree in Sri Lanka because they know it is a crop that will be resilient through downturns, uh, is very high yielding, and can support these kinds of ecosystems. And you see this in countries like India and Bangladesh as well. So jackfruit is an amazingly resilient crop, but because of that tends to get overlooked. So there's a huge amount of capacity that could still increase income for farmers, could still support more, but it tends to get lost in the shuffle uh, relative to other crops. So we're trying to both tap into that resource that exists and really help add more value and, and support those farmers who are practicing those techniques and, and, and maintaining those systems. On top of that, Jackfruit has the added perk of being a fruit that can help populations tide through the tough times because it's just so resilient. We saw this in the last year. There was a lot of political turmoil uh, and unrest in Sri Lanka. There were a lot of issues around fertilizer shortages and food prices rising. And you could see the resilience that came from having jackfruit and that the population was able to rely on that. We actually paused our supply chain just to observe and see what would happen in that sense because it was really a test for sort of how jackfruit has been preserved in Sri Lanka and it worked beautifully and 
it really strengthens our conviction that this is a crop that can really help feed and nourish the world and create a lot of economic opportunity and great consumer products in the process. And so the pair set off with their goal of transforming jackfruit into a super crop that could act as a meat alternative. However, they faced the challenge of having to create the demand for such a product because, well, obviously, who knew that you could use jackfruit in the place of meat? Where they found success in creating a market for their product was via partnerships with chefs at restaurants. We've always been very culinary focused. In fact, Dan used to uh, nightlight as a, as a food critic and we worked, I think Dan mentioned earlier, we worked with, with chefs from the outset to understand how they work with jackfruit and what we needed for a product to really work in food service, like for them to actually like bring it in and put it on their menus. And so, you know, as we iterated and developed prototypes, there were always chefs that we were sort of leveraging there. But I think, you know, then going beyond that, as we thought about bringing a product to market, it made sense because when introducing something new to consumers, I think there's a number of benefits that come with working with chefs. One, they can be ambassadors um, for your product and, and showcase how it can be used. They basically are giving you some form of social proof. And consumers are more likely to try something new in a restaurant setting than they are in, you know, in, a, in a supermarket setting. And also, I think by working with lots of different restaurants and lots of different chefs, enable us to highlight the versatility of the product and how it can be used in lots of different formats to really validate, you know, this is an, an amazing crop that can be used in our food system. And then finally, chefs are super discerning. And, you know, they're very picky about the ingredients that they use, particularly, you know, the higher end chefs that we started with. And we knew if we could get that stamp of approval, then we're, we're basically gonna, you know, we know we're onto something and consumers are also gonna like it as well. And chefs are incentivized to make things delicious, right? Like they're ultimately they need to please their customers and, and it shows, you know, the scope of different flavors, different cuisines, different ranges of, of preparation and preferences. So having chefs be able to take a new ingredient, a new crop like jackfruit and tell culinary stories around it and, and be the champions like Blair was talking about, that's hugely valuable. And all of that work paid off. Today, Karana has expanded to launching in Hong Kong and the US and unveiled value-add products made from minced jackfruit, collaborating with various restaurants and food outlets to produce everything from gyozas to beef wellingtons to chorizo meatballs with Karana's jackfruit. We're definitely seeing a strong demand there. We're replacing brands like Beyond Meat. We replaced Impossible in uh, all of the kebabs factory locations across Singapore because they like the story, you know, you can tell around jackfruit. We see a lot of instances where something was listed as uh, just an impossible sausage or beyond sausage, but then it's Karana jackfruit or jackfruit sausage. So really being able to tell a story around the ingredient is unlocking a lot of value. And so we get to enjoy and witness all the creativity and I think definitely for that, that's a huge success to see jackfruit being utilized and introduced either in addition, instead of, or where they never would have looked at a plant-based alternative before because they can, you know, get that value out of it as a chef. 
Looking ahead, the team is looking to further scale jackfruit status as a super crop. I think like our long-term goal, right, is to scale jackfruit as a climate super crop. And that's like seeing it as an anchor crop in this new food system. And we want to see that increasingly become true, right? And we're already starting that. It's not going to happen overnight. And so, you know, we need to develop the technology to enable the scale and the, the processing as well as the amazing products to give that offtake so that, you know, this high yielding, very highly scalable crop has a a use in the market. Both of us come at this from a passion for transforming our food system. And that's where we want to get to. Well, thank you, Dan and Blair. It's been so interesting and fascinating, really, what you have created and your ambitions. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having us. It was an interesting discussion. Thank you. I loved this interview so much. I think my big takeaways is that it's just, it's really not easy when you're trying to build a whole new market, building, I suppose, a fan base and a consumer habit. Plus, you're trying to build a whole new supply chain and and really a new industry. So Dan and Blair have challenges on both fronts. It's also kind of hard to get funding right now for these kind of innovative businesses. But my big takeaway is that Dan and Blair are really certain and sure that climate change is the biggest challenge all consumers and businesses are going to be facing in the future. And their product is a great solution to decrease our impact on the planet. They know and they're hedging their bets that very soon there's going to be a massive swing to vegetarianism and eating meat replacement products. And they're very clear on their vision and mission. And I think that's what keeps them going through this really tough journey. I really admire Dan and Blair. And I feel like we need more entrepreneurs in the world that can see that this climate challenge is the most important thing we're facing right now and that are solutions-focused, innovators, risk-takers, and just so, so inspiring with their single focus. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you want to learn more things about what Dan and Blair and the Karana team are up to, just go check them out at eatkarana.com. I also just wanted to thank you for your support of the Good Business Podcast. And please reach out if you've got anyone that you think we should welcome to the show. You can email us at podcast at thelaunchpad.group. And of course, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a rating or leave us a nice review on any podcast platform that you're listening to. If you liked today's episode, please share it, post it on your socials or on LinkedIn. That's how podcasts grow and get discovered. And if you're not a subscriber, give that follow button some love. We've got a lot more stories to share with you. Finally, if you are looking to join a community of purpose-led, kind entrepreneurs, hit us up and come and join us at The Launchpad. It's www.thelaunchpad.group. I think you'll be really surprised at what you could harness from joining our community. Before we close out, I just want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of which I'm recording this podcast, the Arakwal people of the Bundjalung Nation, and I pay my respects to elders, past, present, and future, and I extend my respects to all traditional cultures. Thanks again for listening. I'm Chris Edwards, and I hope you feel as inspired as I am to create your own good business.